Last week, Pastor Bob finished a message series that was about our church values. It was called, Let's Go, and it was full of energy. He taught us about the importance of loving our neighbors through our actions, about striving to be authentically like Jesus Christ in our behavior, about giving generously because generosity is the heart of God. And he ended last week with a message that reminded us that we are to do whatever it takes to lead people to Jesus Christ. And so it might seem odd to you this morning, after all that energy and all those action verbs, love, give, strive, do whatever it takes, I'm going to stand here in front of you and say, not so fast. Not so fast. You see, it's important for us to embrace those values. It's important for us to embrace what God has for us and what God teaches us to do. But in this culture, we have a tendency to rush, 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 and hustle all the time, forgetting to be what we're supposed to be. This morning at the first service, we sang a hymn out of the hymnal called, Holy, Holy, Holy. And as I look around the room, I'm pretty sure some of you are familiar with it. How many of you, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, certainly most of you know it. I would point out to you that we don't sing, busy, 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 Lord, you're always busy. We sing about God's holiness. We sang another hymn. Maybe not quite as familiar as that one, but it was called Take Time to Be Holy. And in it, we're reminded to speak often with the Lord, to abide in him always and feed on his word, to make friends with God's children, to serve those who are weak. And then in the second verse, we get a a little reminder that must have been made specifically for American culture in these days when it says, take time to be holy, the world rushes on. How many of you feel like you spend a whole lot of time rushing here and there? How many of you have watched your children or your grandchildren rush from school to basketball practice, to piano lessons, to violin lessons, to this event, to the SAT study. We don't even teach our children to slow down. And yet God calls us in his word to be holy, not to be hurried. Peter reminded the people of this in his first letter. He was referring to a scripture that we find in the Old Testament when God gave the law to Moses when Peter said in his letter, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. We are not being holy when we strive to do so much to fill our day with so much, to constantly be going and going and going that we forget to make time to be still in God's presence, to study his word and to pray. We need to remember that God doesn't just call us to do ministry. 
He calls us to become people who by our nature and by our character exemplify the best which God showed us in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, sometime in all our busyness, we even do something worse than just be busy and exhausted. We leave God behind. We start to assume that our big plans for our big lives are God's plans for us. And we never even check in with our creator to see if that's true. And then later we say, God, this is my plan. Why isn't it working, Why isn't it working out? Won't you bless it, please? When really it's supposed to be the other way around. We aren't supposed to substitute our plans for God's. When we do that, we often fall into those secular traps of seeking approval from human beings, not God of seeking to elevate ourselves and have power over others, of seeking to be recognized through our efforts and all we accomplished. And there's not godliness in those emotions. There's not godliness in those desires. Those desires are not holy. Now, the scripture that I'm going to share with you today is one of the Psalms, Psalm 127. I'm going to read part of it. And the verses that I've selected to read remind us that when we work, our work is supposed to be God-led. This is what the psalm tells us. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. You and I are his loved ones. When we hustle, when we hurry, when we rush around and we fail to make time for God, we lose touch with the most important relationship in our lives. It's the relationship that feeds all other relationships, and that's our relationship with our Creator, with the God who redeems us, who sanctifies us, who created us. You know, I really like reading the books of a man named Henry Nouwen. Pastor Bob often um, quotes from him, and so do I. He's a spiritual director. Um, a religious, uh, wonderfully religious man in the best way of the term religion. He always puts his connection to God first, and he turned to God in times of suffering in his life. And in a book I was recently reading by him about spiritual direction, he identified a pattern that we see again and again in the life of Jesus, and he did that using scriptures we find in Luke chapter 6. These are the verses that he was writing about. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him 
because power was coming from him and healing them all. If you read on in chapter 6 of Luke, you'll see that shortly after the events described in those verses, Jesus began teaching the people with the famous words that we hear that we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted in the name of Jesus. But it's important for us to notice how that day in the life of our Lord unfolded. It actually began the evening before when he broke away from all the people who called on him, who needed him, who wanted him, who demanded things of him. He broke away and went up the mountain to be alone with God his Father, where he prayed and where he rested in God's presence. In the morning, he came down from the mountain and he cultivated those very important relationships with the people we call the apostles. The scripture told us he selected 12 of them and called them apostles. And we know that for three years, he nurtured his relationships with them so they would be able to plant churches after he went to heaven. And then he and the apostles went out in the community and they served people from all over, from Jerusalem and Judea. They healed them. And then, after praying, cultivating relationships, and serving people, then Jesus preached. Then Jesus shared God's word, probably from the scrolls of the prophet Isaiah. And notice, he didn't, there's nowhere in scripture where it says he took those scrolls and beat them over the head to share the word. First, he prayed for God's guidance. He cultivated people to do ministry with him. He served people. Then he taught them God's word. And that's a good pattern. It was a good pattern for Jesus, and it's a good pattern for our lives because it nurtures all areas of our lives that are important. We're nurtured physically through rest. Our bodies need to rest. We need quiet time. It nurtured his emotional life and the emotional lives of the people around him by cultivating relationships that held meaning. Relationships with people that he did life with, and we need to do the same. His pattern also nurtured spiritual health. By, make suring, by, by making sure that he stayed connection, connected to God. You know, I remember one of, the, um, one of the first sermons I heard Pastor Bob preach. It wasn't here at St. Paul. It was at Eastlake United Methodist Church in the northeast part of the county. And it was a message about the power source. And in it, Pastor Bob used an illustration how he had gotten up one morning and went to start his car and it wouldn't start. So he popped the hood open and saw that there was all kinds of corrosion where the power cord, where the cables that lead to the battery were connected to the terminals on the battery. So he disconnected that cable and he cleaned the battery terminals and he cleaned the end of the cable. He took care of the corrosion. He connected the cable back to the battery and went to start the car and lo and behold, boom, the car started. So what was the point about telling that story about car mechanics? Well, the point was, we have to stay connected 
to the power source. And the power source is not ourselves. We have to nurture that relationship or, like that car battery, it, would become, it will become corroded and will be disconnected from God. Frankly, there are things that Jesus teaches us, not necessarily by his words, but by the pattern in which he lived his life. First, he rested in God's presence. He made time to rest over and over in the scriptures. Second, he cultivated relationships, friendships with sinners, with the least and the lost and the lonely. He served others. He served others lovingly. And then he taught about God and faith. And if that pattern was good enough for Jesus, then it better be good enough for me. And I hope it'll be good enough for you too. You know, one of the things I worry about the most as a pastor, my pastor nightmare, is that I'll just stand up here on a Sunday morning and become like, you know, blah, 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 a talking person giving a speech instead of sharing God's word, a message that comes from God's heart through my lips to you. Part of that nightmare is that I won't practice what I preach, that I won't exemplify what I say to you that you ought to do, because anything I tell you you ought to do, I ought to do as well. So I was very happy when I looked at the calendar and saw we had this week, this Sunday, Valentine's Day, between the start of Lent, which will begin Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, and the last message series that I spoke about earlier called Let's Go. I wanted an opportunity to talk to you this morning and share some personal information with you to let you know that I take the messages I preach seriously and that I want to practice what I preach. You see, I have found in the last few years that uh, my body's slowing down a little. Anybody else experiencing that? Mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah, I got a first service, everybody laughed too. And then this year came, 2001. In May, I will experience what I smilingly refer to as my Medicare birthday. And since January, my mailbox has really changed a lot. Some of you are giggling. You know what I'm talking about. My mailbox is filled up every day with invitations to buy this Medicare supplement or that one. And then every now and then, just for a little bit of extra fun, I'll get an invitation to plan my funeral or to go visit an ALF. <laughs> but seriously, friends... I know I'm slowing down a little. My body's tired. It takes more time to recover. I have aches and pains in places that I didn't have aches and pains. It's part of getting a little bit older. But there's also joys that come with that. Grandkids. In my case, a great-grandson. My husband, Bruce, was a little older than me, and my great-grandson is really my step-great-grandson, but I would never call him that in his presence. With that in mind, I talked to Pastor Bob, and to the staff parish relations team a few months ago, asking for permission if they would work with me and accept the fact that I wanted to change my appointment to St. Paul to be a part-time appointment. I've reached the stage in my life that when this 
pandemic is over, I'm going to make more time for my family. I'm going to make more time for my relationship with God because those things matter. And this past Tuesday, the church council agreed to allow me to take on a part-time role. Now, this is what I really want you to hear, and you need to hear this from me. I initiated this change for my own well-being, my spiritual health, and my physical health. I know that if I do this, I will not only hopefully become a better pastor, but I'll be a better grandma, a better great-grandma, Gigi. I'll be a better sister and a better friend. I know at this stage in my life it's too late for me to be a better wife or a better daughter because Bruce and my parents are already in heaven. But I want them to know and I want God to know that I have learned my lesson. That life is not a sprint going 100 miles an hour in a 100-yard dash every day, day after day. That life is a marathon that needs to be paced and led by God. And so I make this change now, and I want you to be very clear. I'm not leaving. I'm not retiring. I will be here on Sunday mornings with you to worship, occasionally to preach, just like I am now. I'll be in the church during the week, but not as often. There'll be times when we can connect if you need to talk to me at the church. But I am going to take this time to slow down, and I'm very grateful to be part of a church where they recognize the importance and accept the fact that I need to do that. I will continue to have oversight of financial and HR things and to dabble in the special projects that kind of push my buttons like the Jubilee. And I hope that you'll accept this change in my life because my doing this models the behavior that I'm telling you is important for us to be Christian people who are connected to God first. It reminds me that our life, our lives have seasons. How many of you ever lived up north where there was real seasons? Okay, so there was, there's spring and summer and fall and winter. In Florida, we kind of have little spring, big summer, little fall, 10 minutes of winter, and then summer's back. But just like the seasons of the calendar, our lives have seasons times to speed up, times to slow down. The lives of us as individuals have seasons. Our church life has seasons. The life of this local church, St. Paul, has seasons. Ministries come to an end and others begin to flourish. And so I encourage you this week to be in prayer about the town hall meeting that you heard about, the town hall meetings you heard about from Pastor Bob. Be in prayer first. Let the Holy Spirit guide your thinking. Get online and make a reservation. Attend either in person or by Zoom meeting. Time will be taken to answer your questions. But remember that a church, just like our individual lives, a church doesn't remain static. A church changes to adapt to the way people need to connect to God. And St. Paul has done great ministry in past seasons, in this current season, and will continue to do great ministry in the future. So please pray for your church and pray for these meetings we will have.
You know, I really need to practice what I preach. I need to model behavior that's healthy, spiritually and physically. We need to find a holy rhythm for our lives. God did not intend us to live our lives as exhausted, depleted, stressed out people. And yet when our children look at us, their parents and grandparents, and see us rushing about and rushing them about, they follow our example. So if you won't do this thing for your aching body, do it for your children. Do it for them to learn to live a life at a pace that will let them be connected to God. You know, as I prepared for this message, I uh, got a book and read it. It was written by a man named Jefferson Bethke, and it's called To Hell with the Hustle. To Hell with the Hustle. And he wasn't using hell in a slang way. In the book, he speaks theologically about the patterns of our lives and what matters. And he, reminds, he reminded me in reading this book that Jesus never hurried in a way that neglected relationships. Jesus never hurried in a way that neglected his most important relationship with his father. Jesus took time to love people and nurture people. The way we hurry, the way we strive, the way we earn, the way we gather, the way we hoard, the way we do things is not Jesus' way. And if it didn't come from Jesus, then what Bethke suggests is it must have come from hell, and that's where we ought to send it. Hence the name of the book, To Hell with the Hustle. But there's a kinder, gentler way to say what this book describes. And those are the words that we read from our Savior in Scripture. They're red-letter words in the Bible. And so I invite you now to close your eyes for a minute and bow your head and hear this Scripture where Jesus reminds us of the importance of rest and Sabbath and time with him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Friends, too often we take on yokes that are heavy and burdens that are heavy. These words from our Lord are an invitation to me and to you to slow down and rest in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I talked to you a few minutes ago about a hymn that we sang at the first service called Take Time to Be Holy. That's all God calls us to do, to be sanctified, to grow in the presence of Christ and in Christ's character. And to do that, we have to learn that life is not so fast. <laughs>